This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about film. I'm your host, Dakota Arsenault. On today's show, we are having a cultural sports movie exchange program. The way it works is I, a Canadian, have selected a quintessential Canadian sports movie. In this case, Goon, the 2011 hockey film written and starring Ottawa's own Jay Baruchel is about a dim-witted bouncer played by Sean William Scott who realizes he's really, really good at fighting people and gets signed to play for his local independent hockey team in New England before being called up to the minor leagues out in beautiful Halifax, Nova Scotia to be the team's goon and protect their star prospect who's on the verge of falling out of the league. Joining me on this exchange program are two absolute lads, Sam Blakely and Hugh Dempsey, <laughs> hosts of oy, the oy, Always oy. Excellent Please Watch This Pod, where each week they take turns recommending a movie to each other to figure out who has better taste. They last appeared on ContraZoom back on episode 135, Make Remake Citizen Kane and Mank. Welcome, gents. Let's crack a beer. How are you doing today? Oh, I've, uh, I've taken my bent tin for you. So uh, to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clink together my two beers <laughs> just to fully express <laughs> the dedication. Yeah, and then Thanks for having us on again, again, Dakota. This is our favourite film podcast, so it is a pleasure is. to be here again. Yes, well, I'm Great to be here. such a, a huge fan of your show. Always enjoy every week, uh, especially since you seem to always pick movies that I've seen, so it helps me uh, be able to just listen to every episode. <laughs> It took a lot of research. We've worked really, really closely with Stephanie just to make sure every week that we can keep you keep your patronage. And uh, yeah, but it's, it's paying off. <laughs> so I mentioned what movie I'm bringing to the table. I want to know what movie uh, two Brits decided would be good for a Canadian to watch. What was your choice? Well, we are from a small town called Dewsbury, or medium-sized town called Dewsbury, not far outside of Leeds. So we've gone for The Damned United, which tells the tale of the uh, catastrophic 44 days, uh, for which they had uh, a particular manager, Brian Clough, quite legendary. And presuming, obviously, most of the people listening won't necessarily know the, the story, but basically, uh, yeah, we're bringing The Damned United about an ill-fated management ship at, uh, at Leeds United. Now, I had never seen this movie before. I had heard about it and, you know, heard it like, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Should I, should I be saying football or are you okay if I say soccer every once in a while? I'll try to say football. Uh, my, my eye will twitch occasionally, but I'm fine okay. uh, with, with either, whichever you're more comfortable with. I mean... I might, I, I mean, I might just, I might just leave now. <laughs> now it's fine. You can't. I mean, do you like? Um, I mean, what we call American football. Do you like American football? Are you no, I don't. Like, oh, I'm watching the football. Yeah. So I, I, I don't care about it, that sport. But is it like a thing in Canada that people still call it football? Yes. They mean? Yeah. American football. Oh, we have our own football uh, league up here as well, too. The Canadian Football League, where it's slightly, ever so slightly <laughs> differently. That was a question I was going to ask about um, ice hockey, actually, was how many players are on a, the ice at any one team and how many tend to be on a team? Okay, well, uh, on a team you can have 23 players, but you can only dress, uh, let, let me do some some quick maths in my head, uh, 12 uh, plus 6, that's 18, 19, 20. You can only have 20 players on the bench. Uh, and then three are basically what's called healthy scratches, and they basically sit in their suits up in the press box. I mean, the real question, Sam, is to get Dakota to describe um, the ice hockey's offside rule because oh. it is it is like they this, have an offside rule. They do, oh yeah. Gosh. It's not the same as our offside rule, but it's there is a very I kind of know it, but it's a, so it's very. Um, 
It's very opportunist. Now, with, with <laughs> the... <laughs> Shall I give it a try? So of course, <laughs> I try yeah, of course. But, I mean, famously with the, with the football... Me. With the football offside, and by football, obviously, I mean our football... Um, it's impossible to explain that without using um, like salt shakers and sauce <laughs> bottles and stuff like that. Yeah, you've always got what, to explain what it in kind a cafe of what kind of salt shakers. Yeah, how many like is it a six figure coordinates that you need for for hockey oh. outside? How how does it work? So basically, well, from I'll, I've, I'll, I've watched. Go oh, on, I'd, I'd love to hear. Let me try, <laughs> and then you can this. correct me if I'm yeah, completely yeah, wrong. Because I did watch like some of the Stanley Cup about. 14 years ago, I think. <laughs> so fresh in the memory. And so I kind of learned it a little bit. So if you notice on a on a hockey rink, that's the word. <laughs> yep, so far so good. On, on the pitch, yeah. Yeah, on the, on the court, yeah. In the, on the diamond. <laughs> There's, um, so you've got like a centre circle and then basically the, the, the rink is split into three sections. So you've got like a, a bit like in football, I suppose. And there's, yeah. if you notice, there's two big blue lines that run um, basically at like either end of the goal. Like, and I think yeah. a player's offside if say the person, so say if you're in, say if you're in like, let's call it, I'll just for simple, simplicity, you're in midfield, Sam, and you've yeah. got a player in front of that line. You can't pass the puck to that okay. player right. in, beyond that line until you've crossed that line yourself. So you can pass back hmm. Um, and you can pass forward within your quadrant, I suppose. I see. Um, not quite a, tri- a, a trident, a, a tridrant. What do you call it? A, a, yeah. a third. Yeah, your third. Like a third yeah, they're like thirds, aren't they? Is that correct, Dakota? Right. Or am I completely wrong? I feel like I need to make a YouTube series of just uh, British people explaining <laughs> hockey in British terms. <laughs> hey, look, it's a podcast waiting to be made. We, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to learn to watch hockey. I quite like it, actually. I find it a bit hard to follow the puck sometimes, but of all the American sports, it's the one that I found was the easiest to watch because it it doesn't really stop as much as, say, like... Um, I mean, obviously, baseball and American football. Um, it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot closer to, to to football than other sports because it's a flow sport, not a static sport. Now, I, I figure we should maybe talk, start talking about these movies. Uh, so, which one would you want to do first? Do you want to talk about Goon first, or do you want to talk about The Damn United first? Uh, since you guys are the guests, I'll I was going to say, since we've been talking about hockey, I suppose we should probably start with the Goon, shouldn't we? Sure. Okay. Oh, he's going up in the stands. Doug, you impressed the hell out of me last night. Come down the ring for a tryout. No, you're not joining the Oscapades, right, buddy? You're not trying enough for the... the what? You've been touched by the fist of God. What number you want to wear? 69! Take the number 69. It's hilarious. So I'm I'm definitely uh, interested to hear your takes on it, on what your thoughts are on it. Uh, the sport of hockey has been undergoing a, a rapid change in the last 10, 15 years, most notably because uh, us as a society understand that CTE or, or brain trauma, different things like that, is a real thing. You look in the past, you watch a, a hockey game from the 90s, from the 80s, really anywhere before, and you swear you're basically watching an MMA wa- MMA fight uh, on ice with uh, <laughs> knives strapped to their feet, and you don't understand how any of this was legal, which is it's absolutely wild. You look at some of the, the all-time greatest guys, people named like Bob Probert, or uh, Ty Domi, or uh, Dave Tiger Williams. Like, these guys, 
were legitimate murderers on ice, and it's absolutely terrifying <laughs> to watch some of them. <laughs> Well, I think it's an old Stephen Wright one-liner, isn't it? You know, I, I went to a fight the other day and a hockey a, a hockey match broke out. Yeah, know? yeah. Uh, but there's been a real radical shift in the way that the game has been played recently in the last 10, 15 years, uh, where very slowly they're trying to ease out fighting as a whole. Uh, you don't get a lot of these crazy big brawls or players who basically are only good at one thing, and that is fighting, like in the movie Goon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where the Sean William Scott character, that's all he's good at. He, he doesn't do anything else. Previously, you know, talking, like I said, 10, 15 years ago, you need at least two or three on every single team. That's what their entire <laughs> role was. And, and it God. got really bad. And then slowly the game's been changing where it's now smaller guys, speedier guys, more skill oriented, all that sort of stuff. And you look at some of the guys today that are superstars, they wouldn't have even been given a shot on any team, you know, a decade and a half ago because they're, you know, 5'10 and, you know, 145, things like that. Uh, five ten, like that's short. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, he's tiny. He's only 5'10". Mm-hmm. So Goon basically is a movie where... The independent leagues and some of the minor leagues um, still sort of had this atmosphere where you need a lot of fighters and things like that. And in fact, the sequel to this movie, Goon 2, is called The Last of the Enforcers. I haven't seen it yet, but it basically is like explaining how that aspect of the sport is sort of dying out. So it's just really interesting to sort of go back and just see how crazy violent it was and in this role that players would play. Now there actually is a bit of a a sought after commodity guys who are super tough, know how to fight, but also are really skilled. So like you want guys who are maybe like your second or third highest scores, but is aren't afraid to throw big hits or fight when it's needed, that sort of stuff. Other than that, you can go like, uh, I was watching my, my home team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, they didn't have their first fight of the season until about halfway through the season. Whereas, you know, eight, nine years ago, there would be about a fight a game almost. So it's just such mm. a radical shift in the way it's played. But well, these, I, the, I was going to say, oh, sorry, I thought you finished going. But the, the way these minor leagues worked is because they're made up of mostly older guys who didn't have it to make it in the big leagues, you would still have a lot of the fighters there. And so that's why it's really interesting. So the main antagonist of Goon is a guy named uh, uh, Rob the Ross Ray, who's played by Liev Schreiber. And he is a very, very real architect archetype of a guy who was a fighter, got suspended for way too long, got sent down to the minors, and sort of is finishing out his career. There is a whole bunch of guys. There's a guy who, who sort of did that with Toronto, a guy named Rafi Torres, one of the most notorious dirty players. Uh, I think he ended his career with like a 50 game suspension, which is the most that's ever been levied against anyone <laughs> because he would do games. similar things where he would use his stick as an actual weapon, uh, which is very <laughs> different than punching people in the face. That's insane, 50 games. I mean, yeah. I've never heard that in football. There's, there's been biters, kung fu kickers, yeah. Roy, Roy Keane breaking legs on purpose, oh. but 50 games, that is, yeah. wow. There was, the, well, the two, the two questions I've got to you then, Dakota, on all this, yeah. is are you, are you disappointed that this kind of era of, um, you know, fighting has passed out of hockey? And also... Um, you know, do they still, do you still get like the big hits that they get like against the, um, the plastic wall and stuff like that? Is all that still going on or has that stopped as well? 
Yeah. So I'll, I'll take them one by one. The first one is I'm me. I'm, I'm a huge pacifist uh, to begin with. So fighting in hockey never really excited me. There is times a, a coward, a yes, coward in yes, other words. Call, call me <laughs> like there are, there are moments where I, I understand the need of a good hockey fight. And in fact, I'm fine with it. Um, more often than not, it is done in a very uh, showy way that just feels so fake. It just feels like it's orchestrated, uh, that there's no real reason for it. Like right now, the playoffs have just started in hockey, and that's mm. when fighting becomes a lot more prevalent because tensions are way higher. You're playing the same team every other night, basically, for a week and a half uh, because it's a best of seven series, and tensions flare up because you have, you're facing the same guy every shift. You, He's getting under your skin, all this sort of stuff. And so when the tensions boil over and actual fight breaks out, I'm fine with that. That works. But a lot of the time, it's just it's just nonsense of, of what they're fighting over. They're like, oh, you, um, it's called uh, blowing snow, where, where you like stop suddenly in front of the goalie. And when you do that on skates, a whole bunch of ice shavings may, basically make snow and goes in the goalie's face. And it's mildly annoying. And that will sometimes set off a fight. And it's like, come on, guys, like, what are you doing there? Um, is is part of it for the spectacle? Is it partly expected for the crowds and the fans, or is it just that they're riled up? A little bit, like it, it's a little, it's a little tough to say. And and different people will have different schools of thought as far as what it all means. But a lot of the time, it just feels so fake. And then you you watch it, and now what happens is as soon as one player falls to the ice, like it, because you're on a sheet of ice with knives on your feet, it's very easy to fall over. Uh, as soon as one guy falls, a referee is there to break it up and the fight is over. So very often, you know, they'll be grabbing each other's jerseys and, you know, pushing each other back and forth. And, you know, the punches are, are ridiculous. They're punching like literally a helmet now because you can't take the helmet off either, which is another way to, to, uh, uh, what, so they've actually got rules fighting. about the fight? You there can't take is, the helmet yeah. off in the fight? <laughs> no, it. it can fall off, but you cannot take it off. Um, so it's, it's a really weird thing. So a lot of the fighters <laughs> wear their helmets loosely too, which is uh, a telltale really? sign. Yeah, uh, like it's, it's barely staying on there with spit. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you would want your helmet to stay on, though. You would think uh, so. Like it's your head that you're protecting. You'd want the other guys to fall off. Sure, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't understand that. <laughs> so, should we talk about the actual film then? <laughs> yeah, you've answered all our hockey questions. Yeah, I set all that up. So, I, I was sort of curious. Uh, I know Hugh, you had watched this way long ago, back when it came yeah. out. And Sam, this was your first time watching it. Were there any sort of specifics while watching the movie that? It, it sort of really struck you as something that that confused you or uh, mild befuddlement. <laughs> well, yeah, I had as mild befuddlement. So obviously, uh, oh gosh, can't watch the name's character. Uh, what's the character's name called? Sean William Scott's character. Uh, Doug oh, Gal- Doug Galt. Doug, Doug Glatt. Now, he, so he's brought in Glatt, sorry, to pre- he's brought in to protect uh, La Flamme. La Flamme. La Flamme. Uh, La Flamme. And. Um, it all starts with this player he's got there, Xavier Laflamme. Holy shit, could this guy dance with the buck? I need to put that cocksucker away, too. 100% pure, natural skill. He ends up going number two overall. And Montreal grabs him. Number one! Fourth game of the season, he's the home opening. Bam. Rasta Boss Ray. 
I said, hey, suffer, suffer. Third degree concussion. And I can understand that, but really, is is his job to basically get the other goon suspended? Uh, or, like, get a penalty for the other goon? Because he's not really actually protecting him. He just goes out, fights one person, and then he's out the game. What is... How does it work? Other than he's, he's like, a deterrent. Yeah, that... Uh, I feel like they only sort of explained what the role of a protector is. Um... You know, it, it mostly, most famously, when you're talking about on ice protectors, the greatest hockey player ever is a guy named Wayne Gretzky. He is one of the, the scrawniest, smallest guys, especially in an era of the 80s and 90s when it was dominated by big muscle meatheads, basically. Uh, <laughs> and it worked in his favor because he was so fast, he was able to basically evade everyone. But he still had guys on his team that. If for whatever reason during a game, uh, he was getting body checked a lot or, you know, getting, uh, penalties called it, uh, how best to explain this, there's different infractions that will get you a penalty. So things like, uh, hooking, slashing, um, stuff like that. Oh, hooking's where they like pull the, they use the, is that where they, is hooking when they put, use their, um, stick, stick. tripping basically. No, I think it's, they hook the other plate. Do they hook the other player's hockey stick away from Yeah, so it's either getting into their arms or getting onto their stick yeah. and trying to like pull it with that. Slashing is basically like as it sounds it, when you're aggressively using it, your stick to hit someone. Um, <laughs> and so you can yeah. do things like that where if the referee isn't right beside you or if you're kind of doing it on, on the lowdown, you can get away with it. Where if you're doing it over and over all night, you know, that's still a wooden stick back in that day where it hurts you. And, you know, these are big guys wearing, you know, hard pads under their, their jerseys. Like it really hurts you if you're getting an elbow into you all the time, flying across and being slammed into the boards. And so if your star player is getting, uh, beat up a lot in that sense where the, the opposition's really grinding them down, you would have your enforcer or protector, uh, basically go out there and, uh, try to intercept it to make sure that's not happening. Or in the case of, if you've got a guy who is mm. constantly pestering you, you go out there and you fight him. So that was, yeah, what, see that, that was, yeah, that was what confused they, me, I suppose, because like obviously thing, mostly, sorry, Sam, but that's, that's kind of what it came across to me. It's like, if you rough up our guy, we'll send someone after you and then. Exactly. It was, it was a, a very retaliatory aspect to it. Not even, and so they really only, yeah, they, they they really only showed it towards the end when Laflamme was getting kind of knocked around a little bit and, and Doug kind of flow, flew in and like uh, intercepted some body checks and, and was doing stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's what I was expecting. I suppose for the, for the purpose of the film, you need to have Doug as somebody who can't really skate and can just take mm-hmm. a beating and, and deliver a beating. But really that was my thought of, of, of a goon is surely somebody who stays on the ice to get in the way of these things. And so you, presumably they're a little bit more nimble in the sense of mm-hmm. actually getting in, in the way and obviously his role often was just if someone hits uh, the guy he's protecting he'll just start a fight with the, the person who did it and then but mm-hmm. again like I say they're both suspended both in a penalty uh, it's called penalty isn't it yep. um, and 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 then he's sort of out and so that, that was the thing that really confused me a little bit I mean it, what made, made me laugh about the film it is quite a, I, I mean I was I was saying to Dakota Sam off air that I'd forgotten how good this film actually was I didn't realise how much I enjoyed it you know the first time I saw it and uh, when I watched it again I really had a good laugh um, watching it but um, like 
just how bad he is at hockey. <laughs> like that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Like he's really he's he can't he can he can't really skate at the beginning of the film. Um, and you know, I mean, is this is this? Is that, that did, really did you watch happened? this? Yeah, did you watch this as a as a hockey fan? Thinking uh, there's a sense of. Um, this couldn't possibly happen in the sense of he would have to be better than that, uh, you know, or could this technically have happened at least maybe in the eighties? Um, well, because of the way the film sort of is set up where he gets signed initially to an independent hockey team. So it's not a feeder system. Like I know, I know in soccer uh, you have relegation. So you have the three different tiers in, in the premier league. Um mm. We, we kind of have something similar. There's obviously not reg- relegation, but we've got like the main league, which is the NHL. And then like our main feeder league is the American Hockey League. Uh, and then we have a league below it, which is the East Coast Hockey League. Uh, and so those teams just, can never get promoted, but the players can basically. They, they can like... Yeah. You basically send your prospects to, to the different tiers depending on their age and their skill level and things like that. Right. So mm-hmm. it doesn't quite work like that in, in soccer, I know, but it's sort of the same gist where especially like if you've got like a guy in the second tier who, uh, who's able to sign a new contract, he might want to move up to the top tier sort of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, we have we have systems in this in football where, so a big club, for instance, uh, Chelsea do this a lot. Um, they'll sign a young player, a really hot prospect at like 17, 18, even like younger at like 16 sometimes. And then what they'll do is they'll send him out on loan to diff to lower league clubs, as we call them. Or, or um, foreign, foreign cl- clubs. Yeah, or foreign uh, clubs, yeah. maybe in their top division, but their top division isn't as competitive as the Premier League. And they might be on loan for until they're like 22, 23 in some cases, and then eventually hmm. play for the first team. Um, i trying to think of a player who that happened with a lot. Actually. I mean, Marco Marin, he, he's been at Chelsea oh, for God. about 10 years. He's still, left. He played, about, still he played about two games. He Did, just finally left. He's he about 28, left? and they signed him as like a hot prospect 18-year-old, yeah. sent him out on loan yeah, uh, here and there and everywhere. Him. Poor lad. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they do have feeder teams. You know, Manchester United, they've got a, mm. a team in Belgium to whom they sent a lot of their young... That's right, yeah. And they'd sent a lot of their youth players because they could compete in the Belgian league, and then they'd come back with more experience and either be more valuable or actually playing the team. Mm-hmm. Well, the question I'm wanting to ask as well, Sam, is Sam because we haven't actually discussed it. Did you did you enjoy mm. the film? The goon, the goon? You know what? I, I didn't really. <laughs> I didn't really. It felt like I was surprised it came out in 2011. It felt like a film from the 90s, really. In that, yeah, I can see that. I mean, Jay Baruchel. He, so obviously, it's him and Evan Goldberg. I think who wrote this. Mm. I think I'm right mm-hmm. in saying. And obviously, they've both worked a lot with Seth Rogen, and it felt like he, Jay Baruchel, is the the least charming of the triumvirate. I just didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't connect with his character. I thought maybe if I watched this when I was younger, or if I was really high, I thought this is a film to watch when you're high. Really, <laughs> that that was the sense I got. I, I enjoyed the sort of like the culture swap understanding of things, but yeah, I just didn't, I didn't find it very funny. Um, and I didn't know whether to I was supposed to find Jay Parashel's character funny or he's a, it's like he's irritant. in a different film, isn't it? Despite the fact that yeah. he made this film. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. my only yeah. real criticisms I had of it was um, Sean William Scott's character. He's 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 not the sharpest, you know, knife in the Caesar, but he's 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 ridiculously stupid he's too, almost unbelievably <laughs> stupid and that was something that upon watching it again kind of rankled with me i don't know what do you think of the film dakota i'm sure you're not here going it's you know a you know it's like modern masterpiece or anything but 
Are you are you a fan? Did you enjoy it? Or yeah. do you find that it's a negative view on hockey since you're not a lover of fighting and all that jazz in the sport you like? I I, I do like it. Uh, I, I will concede there is a lot of problems with it, especially a lot of the, the language used in it where it, it already feels very, very dated and like if if you're sort of sensitive to to some slurs i would definitely not recommend you watching it because it kind of goes overboard on on certain aspects <laughs> its heart seems to be in the right place of of calling it out but that doesn't really give you a free pass to also uh have rampant homophobia basically yeah um, yeah yeah <laughs> that's good <laughs> yeah it's like yeah. well let's make his let's make the main character's brother gay so we can just get away with whatever we say yeah, I yeah. Mean, and it just it felt like it was written in the 90s and mm-hmm. i was flabbergasted that it was just in the last decade that it came out i mean it's based on a real guy isn't it who was yes. he was playing in the early 90s late 80s so i suppose but uh, a, 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 so a few questions i had uh about the about I suppose goon was um do you know um is the handlebar mustache uh, necessary to be hard as nails <laughs> hockey player do you need do you need to have that handlebar mustache or and the mullet to to be a you know a threat uh, 100% yes 100%. Yeah. It's, it, there's a weird, with hockey, there's a weird like dichotomy at play because, you know, like Sam said, um, you know, I went to a fight and a hockey game broke out. But yeah, it's this like graceful sport. You know, it's the sport of, you know, ice rinks are for men and women in tight lycra to dance, <laughs> you know, normally <laughs> as well. And it's this weird like juxtaposition or dichotomy of like these hard as nails guys, but like you said, they're on, you know, these razor blades having to gracefully glide around and um like I mean to bring it to bring it back to um, to bring it back graceful, to football. A lot of people say that football is a gentleman's game played by thugs and rugby yeah. is a thugs game played by gentlemen. You know, if you, I yeah. don't know if, uh, you Dakota or you listen to it where, but in, That's obviously kind of in football, the same thing, isn't it, I guess. yeah, they're always shouting at the ref and, and undermining the ref in football, but in ref, in rugby, they have complete respect, you know, yeah, one word out of line and they're, and they're gone. <laughs> they call them sir. They, they, they're respectful. It's really bizarre, but they're huge hulking guys playing a, a really thug like game. Yeah. Ice hockey. I mean, where, when did that, where did that come from? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's definitely interesting. There, there is a, a definitely a huge culture in hockey with what's called chirping, which is basically insulting each other. And so, especially right. with the Jay Bearshaw character as a fan, that that is a, a very real archetype of of people. He is from New England, so think Boston, mass holes, that sort of thing. Boston <laughs> fans are, are just about the the worst offenders at this sort of stuff. Where. It's not even clever insult. It's a lot of what he's doing mm. where, you know, he's talking about sleeping with your mom and, you know, and yeah. lots of stuff with genitalia. And, and that's <laughs> a very common thing. And so him hosting his own sort of public ac- access TV show where probably legitimately no one watches except for one guy who crank calls them in every week. Uh, that's, that's a really real persona. And hilariously enough, the the people that were working at the TV station where he's filming... I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but there's a very famous Canadian TV show called Trailer Park Boys, and the three oh, leads in that oh, yeah. uh, were were the guys that were working in the station. 
Oh, right. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't spot that at all. But I think what I would have liked in terms of the charm of the film would if that Jay Baruchel character maybe had that persona but was likeable outside, mm. away from the public access. And I suppose if the film was set any later, he would have a YouTube channel and that would be his YouTube yeah. channel uh, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was set at the... It's not set in the 90s, is it? It's set kind of when it was... No, it seems like it's modern time. Yeah, she yeah, has an iPhone yeah. in it, doesn't she? Which yeah, takes that's that right. Yeah. Um, another question. So I've got two other questions I wanted to ask about this film. Um, so the first one is, so you you meet obviously that Xavier or Xavier Laflamme. Um, mm-hmm. I've got two questions surrounding him. So there's a bit where they show like a little montage of him doing like ridiculously skillful things on the um, on the ice rink and like mm-hmm. scoring like an amazing goal. Like to me, that seemed like one of those like, glamour shots that you have in films where somebody does something that's so incredibly good but it would never happen in a real match <laughs> because mm. it's it's like he's basically gone past like four players and to score or something like that and it's just unrealistic is that is that kind of right or is that actually something some players that good can do no no that that is legitimate that certain players can do that especially if we're led to believe that, that Xavier Laflamme is you know a hot prospect who, for whatever reason, it's a mental block with him. Ever since he got that huge, dangerous body check on him, he hasn't been the same player ever since mentally, but he still has these skills to execute. And so he was sent down to the minor leagues in order to get his head straight, basically. A lot of times uh, when when young prospects are coming up, they'll usually play a little bit with the big club. And then if they realize that they're not quite ready, they'll send them back down to the minors or things like that. Um, or if, uh, you're injured, you'll have some tune up games in the minor league team to show that your, your fitness is, is up to par. Once you get, I mean, how can you be unfit playing hockey? (laughs) Like you don't play for long enough. Oh, I'm off out for 20 minutes. I've played longer (laughs) games of five aside. (laughs) Well, it's tough. Cause like you, like there's stories about, uh, players who their weight will fluctuate by 15, sometimes 20 pounds in, in the middle of a game by all the water weight that they lose. That's how much uh, they're working out. Uh, yeah. So they're carrying like a lot. These, these hot prospects who get sent down a level, they will mm. absolutely do things like that. There's a, there's a tournament called the World Junior Championships uh, where it's under 20. And so normally the the absolute best guys that are under 20 are already on the big club and the big club is like, nope, we're not lending you our players. But there's some <laughs> that are like, hey, we're not competing this year. That's fine. You can take our hot prospect. who's the number one draft pick last year, that sort of thing. He'll go down and if he's playing on, on Canada or United States or whatever, and they're facing a country like Denmark or Finland or something, he will just make them look absolutely look ridiculous uh, so the stuff that Laflamme was doing, you know, pirouettes on the ice and shimmying around four different guys and taking uh, a shot and basically having pinpoint accuracy, yeah, that is 100% He does that thing, doesn't he, where he like flicks the puck up over somebody or something, I think at one point. Yeah. I like mean, that, oh, that, that is obviously <laughs> embellished, but like, yeah, if you were to put like a highlight reel of some of the best guys, absolutely all, all the best guys would be able to do, you, you'd be able to see clips of them doing any of that stuff. Right, I see. Because it felt that shot, just so that little sequence just felt like if this was like a football film, it'd be like somebody like a Lionel Messi-esque goal where he beats like four <laughs> yeah. players and scores. And, you know, it's like it's, one a, of it's a bit of a greatest, greatest hits goal. compilation. Yeah. 
Um, but then, then again, I've always I've always wondered how Messi would do in say the fourth tier of, of the of the league, you know. And he probably, yeah. I mean, he does that at the top tier, top tier, yeah, so he probably true. would take the piss. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the know, other question I had was relating to La Flamme was, um, so has there ever been a real example in hockey where a player has been? knocked out or injured by another like enforcer where and then they've come back and they're just not the same player is that actually something that has happened like is it like a famous example or is that just for this film that, that that's a little bit back? tough because hockey players in general are very guarded about what their mental well-being is uh it's only in the last couple of years has every team hired like a sports psychiatrist and, and, and things like that before that uh it just was it was just not talked about and, and even regular injuries you'll hear stories of like uh guys in the playoffs they'll like crack you know three ribs and they'll be on the ice for the rest of the game and then you find out uh, as soon as the game ends that they barely were were able to stand up and they're being literally held together with with, with hockey tape and you're like, what is wrong with these people? Uh, <laughs> hockey players are, are a different breed of, of people that will fight through pain. Yeah. I mean, there's that bit in this film where Lev Schreiber's punching the wall really hard, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Like, either I'm, I'm, I'm for sure can, can wager that something like that has happened, but off the top of my, my recollection, no one has publicly said something like that. Uh, yeah. More often than not, uh, you'll see, you know, hot prospects that for just whatever reason, they're not able to, uh, think of the game at a high enough IQ or keep the pace because for the most part, basically, you know, I'm sure it's the same in soccer when you're, you know, eight to 10 years old, you're the best player on your team. When you're 14 years old, you're the best player on your team. When you're 18 years old, you're the best player on your team. Suddenly you're 24 and you're surrounded by 20 other people who are the best player on their team, their entire lives. And not yeah. everyone can be the best player. So here's a, a question then for you, Sam. Was there anything that you liked about Goon particularly? Oh yeah, lots of stuff I like about it. Sorry, yeah, I, I, I don't want to come across as that I hated this film or anything like that. I just I, I sort of wasn't charmed by lots of parts of it. But I did think Sean, I do like Sean William Scott. I think he's a really good presence. Liv Schreiber, who I've I've heard of as being uh, somebody somewhere in a podcast said he's sort of the benchmark for Americans playing um, or North Americans playing Shakespeare. He's like the best Shakespearean uh, actor in North America. And um, I've only really seen him in Spotlight and a couple of like. You know, was he in Scream? I think he was in Scream, yes, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Was he in Scream you know, too? I think so. And, and like plays yeah. Cotton, whatever. And 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 yeah, I've not seen him play do proper acting other than Spotlight. And, very, um, I think he's very understated in Spotlight, actually. Yeah, and he does a, he does a great job in this. Origins. Well, this is what I'm talking <laughs> about. Yeah, like he, he, <laughs> I don't get to see him in enough actual like high caliber acting stuff. But you know, he did a, he did an amazing job in this role because he's got to he does have to have a couple of emotional scenes and uh, chew, you know chewing the scenery kind of scenes. I mm. thought it was great in it. Uh, yeah, lots lots of things I did like. I just sort of wasn't charmed by it as much as I wanted to be. And little I like little things like you know La Flamme uh, not walking over the crests when they're coming mm-hmm. out for the game where he sort of decided he's going to try and uh, and all that sort of stuff. You know, it was a uplifting sports film in that sense. Yeah. No, I enjoyed. I enjoyed it. I thought it was. I liked there was. Um, I liked. The, I forgot that it had uh, Nissan Dorma used in it. The music, um, which in this over here is synonymous <laughs> with football. 
Yeah, so so I think I'll, I'll sort of wrap up th- this part of the segment uh, around now. But uh, there's yeah, I feel like this is a, a great movie that has a lot of Canadian and hockey uh, throw-ins and nods throughout the film. Uh, some of it done in a humorous way, some of it done in a not so humorous way. Things like toodles, man. Stay away from my fucking Percocets. And do you have any fucking Percocets, man? All right. There is a, a real, a real endemic problem with, with hockey yeah. players abusing prescription painkillers. The fact where uh, it was close to a decade ago now, in a span of about two years, three, you know, quote unquote, goon players all uh, killed themselves due to depression, due to their addiction to painkillers. It's just like professional wrestling, isn't it? That's that's yep. they're, they're living that same great. lifestyle. Get great. get on the road, you know. I mean, he calls killers, them tape them up, keep going. Lev Schreiber's yeah. character, yeah, he's like they're, sh- they're soldiers until they come home. You know, everyone loves him. It's a humorous throw-in, but it's a, it's a very it's a very real thing. And then uh, the main the the coach uh, for for the big club there his name his last name is hortens which uh is famously uh tim hortens is our coffee chain and tim <laughs> is Horton that what it was <laughs> was uh a famous hockey player too oh was right it? i thought i, I knew that. that's interesting yeah i do like that the fact that uh, the goalkeeper calls his post siegfried and roy <laughs> yeah and that's another thing i pointed out too is is a lot of goalies are considered really neurotic uh, mm. the, the joke about them is that they'll eat pucks to the point where there's actually been stories of some <laughs> goalies actually eating their pucks. Uh, and so the most famous ones will actually talk to their posts. Uh, they'll, wow. you'll see them like in, t- in TV timeouts or something like that. They'll like put their head to the side and they'll put their head to the other side and you could tell that they're talking to their posts of being like, okay, be smaller guys. <laughs> A um, famous Italian goalkeeper. Um, mm. who's yeah, Gianluigi Buffon uh, wrote a love letter Greatest. to uh, a love letter to his posts and his crossbar uh, oh, a few yeah. years ago, which was quite wonderfully eccentric. Yeah, they, they are the Love. most eccentric players in football. Mm-hmm. Like, but everyone just goes, "Oh yeah, who's the craziest player?" And it's like, "Oh yeah, the goalkeeper." Yeah, there, <laughs> there's something that uh, attracts a certain kind of people to uh, putting their body in front of physical harm. Mm. To, yeah. to ruin the sport because they're anti-hockey or football like they're trying to ruin <laughs> the whole point is to score goals why are you going out there your only goal is to score yeah. is to avoid goals unless yeah. you're the Liverpool goalkeeper in which case you know occasionally yeah. you'll not win in yeah I think there's a great crossover between these two films actually in the fact that um Obviously, this is a film about, you know, a famous enforcer. And then with the Damn United, uh, yeah. Leeds United were famous for being, and they still are to this day, they're called Dirty Leeds. And, you know, yeah. obviously, Brian Clough tells them to put all the medals in the bin and cups and pots. It is amazing. It's like that, we planned it, but we really yeah, didn't. We did this was yeah, a story that, of kind of old-fashioned enforcer values yeah. and, and so on, yeah. Uh, okay, so yeah, I think this is this is a great segue, and I, I'm definitely excited to ask you guys a bunch of questions. In 1973, England's most beloved soccer coach was Don Revy. Best manager in the country, Don Revy. Prepares a file on every game, leaves nothing to chance. They're here. But one man would change everything. Welcome to Derby, Don. Pleasure to meet you. I'm Brian Cross. I have to beat him, Pete. Beat him if it's the last thing I do. Now, the story of a legend. Who do you bloody think you are? Brian Clough. I think the sort of first thing I really want to know is you, you guys have said that you grew up 
the town over from Leeds. I look at a map of England and it's a small country relative <laughs> enough. And then I look at, you know, how many uh, EPL leagues are across the three tiers. And it seems like, uh, what does every single small country farm <laughs> town have their own team? How exactly does this work? Like, uh, did you guys in the town you're in have your own team as well? Like no, explain this to me. Not. No. So is it 90, is it 94, 92? 92. Yeah, so there's 92 professional clubs across uh, England alone. So never mind Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland. Um, Although there are two Welsh teams in the professional football. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, there's Cardiff and Swansea. Too good for Wales. Too good for Wales. Yeah, Um, But yeah, so like Celtic and Rangers in Scotland, they don't even get a look in, do they? Um, So yes, most, not obviously like, there are, I think, is it Forest Green or something like that? Aren't they like, isn't that like a village or something insane? Well, everything, every little place has a football team because there's the four professional tiers, but there are dozens of tiers beneath that. And um, we have, you'll have, presumably heard of the FA Cup obviously you've seen it in the film mm-hmm. as well the oldest mm. cup competition in, in football and that is basically in the lower rounds contested between every little team you can imagine you know every sort of hungover fat guys in, in the Sunday league they'll play <laughs> loads and loads of rounds and then yeah, the like pre-qualifiers the, basically aren't they yeah and then the Premier League teams they will they will get a bye to the to the third proper round but the lower league teams you know that they'll all compete so mm. theoretically you know the Whitfield paper boys could win the FA Cup yeah, theoretically. technically if you play for any like Sunday league team you are you are you you play in a preliminary cup or something. Yeah, I've got loads of friends who've played in various like like pre pre preliminary yeah, rounds yeah. of their pickup. So it <laughs> yeah. is it, it basically there is a football team for everyone out there. All right, so I, I've got some more questions for you guys. Yeah. Then um, one of the things that sort of stuck out to me is is obviously I, I know the role of the manager. I guess in North American terms would basically be a coach. They're the ones that you know mm. devise the X's and O's and figure out who's playing t- with the, in the game and that sort of stuff. I was a little thrown off. Maybe it was just for uh, the movie's sake, but there was a scene where Brian hides in his office for the entire match, and I'm mm. thinking, "You're mm. the manager. Who's making the substitutions?" Yeah, that I do. I mean, they didn't explain it in the film, and I don't think it really happened, as far as I'm aware from my research. Oh, it did. Sometimes did that not it might be. It, it might have been he had a touchline suspension, which you can get if you you know yeah. get you can sort of get sent off and, and have a suspension. But the idea was as like, far as I'm aware, that he, he, he was happened. trying to you know if I don't stand you know I've I've told you what I need to tell you and yeah. I believe in you sort yeah. of thing. Mm. But back, I mean, to answer your question, um, back then there was only like maybe one sub that I, I don't I can't remember what year they brought yeah, substitutes in. They didn't really have many substitutions. Yeah, one. I mean. Um, and it is guy, interesting. maybe one guy would come on if someone got injured but it wasn't yeah. like every match you would make a substitution back then but the, and the role of the manager has changed a lot in recent years they are in some clubs that have been very sort of um, modern and European they are the coach you know so yeah um, uh, you know, whereas back then and well into the 90s and the noughties, the, the manager was the club, really. They had the chairman above them who the manager would try and get money off to, to buy players. But otherwise, again, someone like Sir Alex Ferguson, he 
he was involved in everything. You know, he'd 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 get into meetings about the business side, but he'd also work out who they should buy in transfers, mm. what tactics. He'd he'd meet the youth players and he'd do everything. Whereas now it's so much more specialised because they're massive, massive businesses. You know, um, the manager is much more of a coach. Yeah, there's more of the kind the of American coach. model of we call them directors of football, but the you know the general manager. Mm-hmm. position yeah there's that that kind of role has it, we don't call it that as i said but um it they kind of direct the club's philosophy one thing i did like about the goon actually was the fact that the coach wore a shirt and tie or wore like a polo neck and didn't wear like the uniform of the of the team like mm-hmm. uh, like they do in baseball which i find horrific <laughs> <laughs> you know because um, they're not players <laughs> No, no, yeah. no. Yeah, you got your own job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's yeah. like they're like, oh, just put me on, you know. Let me, I'll yeah. just warm up, you know. I'm, and I'm that was of part of that was part of the Dam United, wasn't it? You know, they talk about we're looking for a, a track suited manager because it was, uh, you know, for the England job. So that the man who Don Revy replaced as England manager, he was the England manager when England won the World Cup, mm. and he was known as being very severe, uh, sort of like um, army, you know, served in the yeah, served yeah. in the army, and where. When England won the World Cup and his assistant manager sort of got up to um, celebrate and go crazy, he went, he said, calm yourself, man. Have some dignity. <laughs> it's like, we just won the fucking World, the World Cup. That's what we're here for. Um, yeah, on, yeah. on English soil as well. So, yeah, they're very different. But um, have you got any, like, more questions about uh, The Damned United? The film, maybe? Yeah, yeah. The, ta- the film yeah. itself, perhaps? Uh, there's, there's a, there's a couple normally of, a film podcast. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you, why hasn't England won the World Cup in forever? But I feel like I don't have enough time for you to answer <laughs> no, that. That's a whole uh, other show. Oh, and I don't think you guys have enough alcohol to answer that either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, well, Dakota, technically, I don't support England, because I, I was born in oh. Ireland. I'm an Ireland right, fan. Right, right. So... I can tell you very succinctly why England have never won the World Cup. If you have a succinct answer, I will take it. It's a combination of um, sometimes they've not had the players and then other times they've not had the correct manager. And Mm, it's either one of those at any one time. Correct. Yeah, very succinct. That that seems like a very polite way of saying that. Yeah. Although there are times where they could have done better, but they've made... Like famously, '98, they were they had a really good team, um, and in the court, no, the round of 16, um, they had a player sent off in that match, and that basically meant, David Beckham. Yeah, that meant that that game was not going to happen. So I have a couple more questions as far as maybe not so much the on pitch product, but uh, we're shown multiple scenes of the interactions with the press and, and how that sort of informs the way that the clubs are, are, are trending and different things like that. In hockey, uh, hockey players are known for, for being the most boring interview subjects <laughs> ever. I, I refuse to watch an interview with a hockey player because I can tell you exactly what they're going to yeah. say. You know, <laughs> we got to get our, the pucks in deep. We got, we got to dig in. We got to try hard and yeah. uh, just get some shots <laughs> on net. Great, I think they, they would so much. they would rival footballers then yeah footballers are, yeah. they they we are media the trained today. from the age of twelve yeah, yeah. yeah. which uh, just the three points the next week yeah, yeah. just we'd look for the, the, the next game, game. <laughs> yeah yeah and managers managers too sometimes yeah, yeah. very often okay managers too. so that's what I was curious about because in the damn United we're, we're shown Brian Clough and even um, Rennie as well they they are very vocal about their thoughts and almost seem like they're waging a bit of a war within 
the press. And, yeah. and I'm also curious about this, this con- the concept of uh, Yorkshire television. <laughs> I've never heard of it. You know, the BBC, I know what the BBC is. Yeah. What, it, what does all that sort of have to do with football culture? Well, it, I mean, certainly at the time it was less polished, so they could be a bit more blunt and forthright. Yeah. They weren't they weren't media trained. Now most managers are media trained to either be completely bland and say nothing because they know it could be a headline, or mm-hmm. in some ways to go the other way and be a complete character and and to 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 Put the focus on it. themselves essentially. Yeah. Put the focus on themselves. Yeah. So Jose Mourinho, who you've presumably heard of, a very maybe you've heard of. I'm not sure. Um, very famous manager, anyway. Very successful. He's he was very famous. Uh, in particular, when he was at his most successful uh, 15, 10 to 15 years ago for being a lightning rod for the press. That, so they wouldn't talk about the player's performance. They'd talk about, you know, so when he first came to Chelsea, mm-hmm. he said, I'm, I'm a special one, you know, and that is, that's a name that stuck that's, with him. That's for his nickname. Years. That's who he is. <laughs> yeah. You say, are oh, the special one now or whatever. Everyone knows who you're on about. Sort of yeah, thing. and it's because of people like Brian Clough who had weaponized the media to to be a, a, another role and another part of the the management thing and Sir Alex Ferguson to use his name again because he is sort of at the center of everything in terms of management. He would he would win psychologically before the game has started and he would kind of there was a famous episode in the, I think ninety six. Man United were second in the league behind Newcastle United, whose manager was Kevin Keegan, who actually, he's the player who's sent off along with Billy Bremner when they have a little fist fight. He's a very sort of, he's a sort of figure of fun, incredibly talented footballer, won the Football of the Year twice, and, and, you know, he was a good manager, managed England briefly, Um, but he's just this this weird, (laughs) hapless figure. You know, every every group of friends has got the one guy who was just really unlucky. You know, like, I don't know, something amazing happened. He's the kind of guy who gets out of his car. For no reason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, he, and then he'd, and then he'd uh, yeah, he'd go into the car to get his keys and he'd hit yeah. his head and, yeah. and end up in the hospital and stuff. So he's very hapless. And he gave an interview that's uh, com- like very famous in, in the mid-90s where it was coming up to the Man United game. They'd started to lose their lead. They were, I think, 18 points ahead of Man United at the time, which basically meant they were going to win the league. It wasn't and 18. Started to was, it? It was, was it 12, 12 points? 12 was it 12? Points, I think. Yeah. It was anyway. basically three points for winning football. So he, they were like... Four wins ahead of United. It was basically they're going to win the league, and it started to eke away. And in the in the run up to the Man United match, he sort of lost his cool in a radio interview, and very famously said, I, "I, you know what? I, I'll tell you now. I would love it. I would love it if we beat them." I'm, I've kept really quiet, but I'll tell you something. He went down in my estimation when he said that. We have not resorted to that, but I'll tell you. You can tell him now. I'll be watching it. We're still fighting for this title, and he's got to go to Middlesbrough and get something. And and I'll tell you honestly. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. Yeah. And it was just became this very famous thing of somebody who's lost his cool. He's yeah. done the same thing to other managers over the past, you know. Didn't, wasn't it after and, the interview they famously went out and lost 4-3 to Liverpool as well? That was that Anfield, game, yeah. yeah. And, and basically, they, they, Man United then went on to win the league yeah. and, and Newcastle have There's done an, There was since. another manager a few years back uh, about 10 years ago now called Rafa Benitez who oh, the owns, facts these are facts <laughs> yeah he basically was in a press conference so like the managers do like a, a press conference before each game and uh, on like the day before or something and he was really upset at the fixture list for some reason so the FA who or the Premier League who compile the fixtures for every season uh, in the league it's like a randomised computer generated thing so it's like okay you know, it's not, there's no bias. They don't, they don't like make it harder or easier for one team. And he, but he was vehemently 
like he had a piece of paper with with, yeah, with facts on it that that man you, you know, had been given an easier run in by the yeah and, and he was annoyed that Alex facts. Ferguson could yeah Alex Ferguson says this thing doesn't get a suspension I say this thing these are facts and they have yeah. this meltdown and and you know Alex Ferguson's won we were gonna, yeah we knew we were going to win the league after he had that. And there's the odd spat. Jose Mourinho famously said of the Arsenal manager that he's a he's a um, what what is it? it? Um, He's an expert in failure. Yeah, he's an expert in failure. Um, So yeah, it becomes this. The 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 media becomes another battleground where where managers win and lose before the games even won, or or they they. Uh, boost their reputation because Brian Clough is legendary not because he was such a successful manager although that's part of it but because he was just you know you could write a book of quotes uh, just for Brian Clough Mm -hmm. the the last question I kind of have about the film directly is are we supposed to really believe that um, uh, Stephen Graham could play football (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I mean, I've no evidence to the but, contrary. But he does look like Billy Bremner in that. Like, they're not that. You know, you see them smoking. They're just smoking away, like you know, while they're training. It's quite accurate. Um, no, yeah, it's a weird casting, but. He does, look, he does look like a bit like him, doesn't he? Yeah, with the ginger wig on. Yeah, he's yeah, not, the not ginger. Really I think it's because you know what he looks like, and he mm, looks mm, weird okay. with the, the, the yeah. ginger hair. Um, yeah, you start looking at it going, that's Stephen Graham, that's Stephen Graham, that's <laughs> Stephen Graham. <laughs> He's clearly not a I, I, I liked uh, his, every time that I would notice, like, he was making a play, it was always shot from behind. Uh, you never actually see Stephen Graham's face making yeah. any of the moves. Yeah, yeah, because he's about 45 already. <laughs> <laughs> he must have been at least 35 when he made this film. But he, he kept, you know, good performance when he's in boardrooms and stuff like that. I'll tell you yeah. something I did like about the film, just where we talk about players and people looking kind of the way they're supposed to look. Um, Colin Meany, who played Don Reavy, really looks like Don Reavy. He's a spitting image. Yeah, yeah, when they when they showed the actual footage afterwards, yeah. it was like, whoa, he looks identical. To him. <laughs> yeah. Like obviously, I mean, Michael Sheen is clearly a much more handsome version of Brian Clough. Like you could sort of see, with like, oh yeah, Sheen kind of looks a little bit like him. But yeah, tell you what, though, Brian Clough like back in the identical. day was a handsome devil when he was a younger man. Yeah, he wasn't yeah, ugly. Yeah. I'll give him that. He would think, but it's, <laughs> but he doesn't look anything like Tony Blair or um, Frost. And yet, you know, in a couple of years, Sheen had played all three somehow. I think he, he looks is more I think like Tony to. Blair. I think he does. I think of all we, of the people that he's played. I think yeah, he does. Tony Blair, like, like in this film, he's very much he embodies know, it though. He, he's yeah, so close. Like, yeah. there's there's a lot of famous clips, you know, when he says like, "For missing from there, you need bloody shooting," and yeah. and it, it is, you know, exactly you like the clip. Yeah. And it's not it's not a it's not a sort of syllable for syllable in, uh, impression. He's really made some great choices, I think. In his, mm. what did you think of what did you think of Sheen's performance to cut? Not necessarily knowing of Brian Clough before. Yeah, I, I obviously know nothing about Brian Clough. I, I have seen Michael Sheen in quite a few things, and I do think he is a terrific actor. Uh, I think what really worked for this film was the fact that. By all accounts, Peter Morgan's script, the way it's written, and I'm sure a lot of it is written for, for, by verbatim of, of different stuff that Clough would say. Um, everything that he says makes you hate Brian Clough, but the <laughs> way that Sheen delivers it, you can't help but also still root for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the thing, the, the yeah, it's not, a, it's not a hagiography. Let's all love Brian Clough. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's complicated. Yeah, what's I think, I think the one thing that's kind of interesting about the Damn United is it's a study really in failure, isn't it? 
And I think that's yeah. that's essentially what it is. And it's a it's a film almost that's a it's it's a study in failure and it's also a study in relationships. That essentially the crux of this film isn't Brian Clough going off and doing X, Y, and Z. The film is actually Brian Clough and Peter Taylor doing yeah. stuff together. And, and Brian Clough's ego as a third, yeah. Main yeah. Character, third yeah. lead. Yeah. 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 He's uh, But yeah, it's it's very interesting because like you said, it's it, the the crux of the film is about failure, but you spend a good portion of the film in the flashback yeah. showing this is why he's successful. X, Y, and Z is what he's done. This is why he's a, he's a good manager. He's a good tactician. He's a good uh, communicator to his, his his players, all this sort of stuff. You understand, great, this is why he's successful. And then also when they contrast it with what's quote unquote the present day him at lead sort of stuff, mm. uh, that is his downfall. His successes are his downfall in the mm. way that they they weave it together. I don't. I think this is the best Tom Hooper film I've seen. He's since become such a, a total hack. I do like <laughs> the King's Speech, but like it's never the best film. Come on, was the it? guy's a bit of a hack. Yeah, I agree. And the fact that he cast sorry, the fact that he cast Russell Crowe as Javier in uh, in uh, the the Les Mis was a man who clearly yeah. cannot sing. <laughs> Terrible movie. I don't like I the movie. I just don't like the fact that he can't sing. Like cast somebody who can sing. That too. He just he's, but, uh, he's literally out of. He's what's it called? Um, he's out of tune. It's hilarious. Yeah, I like I liked what you said there, Dakar, about you know the the uh, about the sort of flashbacks and the, the time shifts because it it does it might be a little bit on the nose or something, but it does give you that motivation of his. It's not just because he wants to be the best manager or something like that. He's a personal vendetta, and you know it culminates in probably my favorite scene. You know when when he's he's just got there, the boardroom, he's just done the interview. After getting the job at Leeds, and um, this, you know, the, he says it seems like it's just more about Don Revy, and he's like, of course it's about Don Revy, you know, but this yeah. should put this put should put big Colgate smiles on your faces because I won't eat, I won't rest until I've taken everything that he's done uh, and done it better, yeah, and it's a, it's a wonderful scene though. Instead of putting frowns on your foreheads or your elders of Leeds and your blazers and your brass fucking buttons. It should put big white Colgate smiles on your big white faces because it means I won't eat and won't sleep until I've taken whatever that man's achieved and beaten it. Beaten it so I never have to hear the name Don fucking Revy again. Beat it. It's the only name anyone sings in the Yorkshire Ale Houses, raising the stinking jaws to the stinking mouths, is Brian Clough. Yeah, I think I think Brian Clough's biggest mistake probably with Leeds was the fact that he'd had such a personal animosity towards the way they mm. played football and the fact that the success that he had at Derby and at Nottingham Forest after this was the fact that at the time when he took over those clubs, they were in the second division. They weren't on the up and up where yeah. he came into a successful group of players and said, you're shit <laughs> and I'm going to make you good again. And they're it, like, it is, no, we're it not. is we're, the hardest, we're winning you know, the league. So, yeah. To mention Sir Alex Ferguson for the tenth time, when he finally retired in 2013, the hardest job in the world was going to be the guy who, who replaced him, and it was somebody who was previously been the manager of Everton, hadn't really won much, but he seemed like he could be there for a long project. And yeah. his biggest problem was he got rid of too many of the backroom staff too quickly. Um, you know, similarly when uh, a couple of managers after Jose Mourinho um, at Chelsea, he came in and he basically they had Frank Lampard and John Terry, the two kind of club legends and captains, and he tried to move them on too quickly, both of them. And actually, you need you know you need your 
Bremner on the side, you need Giles on the side, you know, you need those people on the side to then filter out the rest. You can't just go, well, you're, you know, you don't deserve it, so you should leave yeah. or stick around. And, and the and fact that he didn't like have Peter it. Taylor with him as well was another... Problem. Yeah, that's obviously the biggest... Like, uh, Platter, yeah, it, famously, uh, Brian Clough never won the FA Cup. He came very close a couple of times. Um, did he lose in a final? I know he got to. Se- I know he lost in I'm a semi final, sure. famously. But yeah, so but he won was- the European Cup twice. Yeah. <laughs> and he got and so, he took teams from the second division to win in the league within like two it's seasons. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean it's it so rarely happens anymore that sort of thing. Mm. Uh, it's right up there with yeah. Leicester City winning the Premier Pretty League, much, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, but. Yeah, I mean, in terms of of the two films that we've looked at, for me, obviously, I think The Damn United's a better film. Like, even if you take away the subject matter, I just think it's... Obviously, it's based on real events, you know, so there's there's real people they can base the characters around um, more than just, like, stereotypes maybe you get with uh, Goon. Um, obviously, Goon's based on that... Um, that guy uh, in the late 80s early 90s but yeah uh, and you know it's it's Brian Clough is such an endlessly fascinating character you know he had you know the ego the size of a planet <laughs> you know um, mm-hmm. a very dis- you know very distinct sort of um, way of going about things you know the old there's a famous quote from him where he's he's, some, he's in an interview and uh, someone asks him he goes and you know if a player has a dispute with you uh, what, what do you do and he goes well I, I call them into my office they come in we talk about it for 20 minutes and then we decide that I was right yeah <laughs> you know <it's, laughs> I'm not saying I'm the best manager in the world but I'm in the top one yeah I'm the best yeah. young manager and the best old manager <laughs> old old, old yeah. big Ed they called him as, yeah. uh, as Hugh's zoom name uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah not that the audience can see that but I changed my no. zoom name to old big Ed yeah yeah he does have a sort of a he's the best manager not to have managed England like he should have had that England job instead of um, Ron Mm -hmm. Greenwood and then obviously Bobby Robson but yeah it's he's he's an end and I think that's what's good about that film is that it's you see like you said you see why he's successful and you see the character and the people around him how they have to deal with him where Goon's obviously just kind of it's 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 a nice like I like the fact that it's like it's a bit small scale, isn't it, Goon? If that makes sense, you know, it's not in mm-hmm. the NHL. They're not in front of fifty thousand fans, even though the stadiums are pretty packed in Montreal, <laughs> and even at, even in um, where is he at? How is he Halifax? Halifax. Halifax. Yeah. Oh, that was something I meant to ask, which I forgot to ask. Um, so the teams that they play, he plays in the Goon, or they play for, are they all real teams, or are they all like made up for film? No, the, these are all made up. Uh, the the league so. itself is completely made up. The the right. biggest thing is is licensing issues of, of getting league approval, team approval, like all that sort of stuff. Um, but the, the the idea of I'm I'm sure much like in the damn United, where once you get to like the you know the second rung teams and third rung teams, you're you're talking about smaller towns that have their own clubs, and and very much that's a, a big part of of Canadian hockey culture is once you get outside of your Torontos and your Montreals and your Vancouver's, uh, they don't have professional sports in the same way, so you're supporting your local team, and so stuff like. Halifax, and I wish I, I I wrote down some of the other team names <laughs> that they they mentioned throughout it. One of them was like, but yeah, the, a lot the of these Shamrocks places or something. Really... Was, yeah, the Shamrocks, wasn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean more so like the cities that they play in. These are actually the types of cities that have these teams in them as well, and that's like the thing you do. Like 
Um, sometimes it's a junior team. So you're talking about 16 to 18 year olds, 19 year olds. Yeah. And that's the only form of entertainment you have for three hours going in any direction. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. I suppose. I mean, yeah. I suppose with the, at least with the football system, with promotion and relegation, you can have very, very small towns with very successful teams who, you know, have a good few years and then the money they generate from being in the higher leagues, keeps them there for a little bit longer and there is that there is that social mobility i mean barnsley i mentioned uh, was my second team there they're quite a small town really i mean a sort of small to medium-sized town and they're they're on the verge of being in the in the top tier so it's i mean it, there's obviously a lot of london clubs and manchester clubs and, and in so this on. in this film they're at brighton aren't they and current and like at the time brighton weren't anywhere near third division i think yeah third tier. Weren't, yeah weren't anywhere but now they've, they're in the premiership they've just beat, yeah. they just beat man city just beat manchester city in the championships yeah. and the champions uh, a couple of days ago yeah so teams can yeah. bob up and down but then there's i mean it's not really this isn't really the forum to debate it but there is that kind of there is a question around certain like these small teams um like last season there was a team called Bournemouth were in the division for a few seasons and there's like there's like a group of teams that are too small to ever probably win the championship they're never gonna you know they're never really gonna get all the the best players or the best manager so for them they're they're their raison d'etre is to just survive and be in the league and that's come under criticism sometimes because it's like well would you rather have a team like Leeds or Nottingham Forest who have this pedigree tradition and history of you know winning major tournaments or competitions or would you rather have your you know your Brightons your Bournemouths your Boltons like 10 years ago sort of thing all these clubs that frankly aren't likely to ever get get anything other than maybe seventh in the Premier League. But every now and again, you know, Leicester City win the Premiership or uh, Bolton yeah, against the Champions least, League I mean, or something like that. Yeah, I suppose, but like Leicester's a, like a 5,000 to one bet, wasn't it? And it was, it's literally never happened in any other like sports betting situation where somebody with such long odds has won like a major trophy. I mean, like that's the, the, the beauty of stuff like the Premier League is that the best team wins the league every year. You can't, you can never say that the best team won that didn't win the league because over 38 games, mm-hmm. you're going to find out who the best team is. There's, it really yeah, in, is the in, ultimate. In hockey, do you, do, do, does each team play each other several times and it's lots of, lots of games? Yeah. Or? So, so a season, a full season is 82 games. This year it was wow. shortened to 56 due to the pandemic. Uh, we have what's called the president's trophy, which is given to the first place club at the end of the regular season but teams don't care about the president's trophy it's the stanley cup where you have four rounds of best of seven series so it's 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 called the hardest trophy to win um right. because of just how brutally difficult it is i suppose it's the best teams out though doesn't it when you play best of seven well, uh, gentlemen, I want to thank you both so much for, for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, what do you have coming up uh, for Please Watch This that people can uh, look forward to? I'm going to be, speaking of Russell Crowe, as we were earlier, I'm going to be watching Gladiator for the first time ever. Oh, really? First time ever? That's yeah. interesting. I've seen bits of it and I've seen some of the key moments, but I don't, pretty, I'm about 99% certain I've not seen it from start to finish. Hmm. interesting have you watched it yet i know you haven't recorded your episode but 
No, I'm going to try and somehow squeeze it in tomorrow, maybe, and uh, we, figure out the yeah, logistics yeah. from there. We need to yeah. figure out if we're recording tomorrow or Friday, so we haven't. Quite yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. But we, <laughs> yeah. we we recently did Palm Springs, which is uh, I think have you seen that Dakota Palm Springs? I I absolutely love it. I'm halfway yeah. through listening to your episode, and I'm so happy you guys uh, both like it so much. Good. So good. on Palm yeah, Springs, Dakota, film. what do you think? Do you think how long do you think he's um, he's in this time loop? That's interesting. Yeah, you're you're talking about that, and, and you're talking about it. What at least a, a thousand years or something? I think, think I think is? definitely at least a couple of lifetimes. Yeah, like that's tough because I I know uh, you know you can't talk about Palm Springs without talking about Groundhog Day. Yeah. And they've made it very clear that he has spent hundreds of years in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would not be surprised. You're talking, I know I'm sort of rehashing your episode, but some <laughs> of the things that they learn in that, especially at one point when they're flying a plane, if they're doing that successfully, they've definitely been uh, in that loop for quite a while. Yeah. So I don't know what the exact amount is, but uh, I, I would have to imagine it's it's up there. Do you yeah, think he's absolutely. been in, in hundreds of years in Groundhog Day as well? Yeah, I, I believe I believe the, uh, the director has come out and... and said approximately how long he was stuck in there for. Some are saying I it was he, like I think he said so. I think he said 35 years. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Okay, I thought it was longer than that. I think he did, but lots of people have, have estimated, you know, 10,000. And then um, probably soon we might do Nomadland because I went, got out to the cinema to okay. finally see that. And uh, yeah, yes. that's, that's going to be something to look forward to. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Uh, where can uh, Where can people find the show and follow you guys then? <laughs> I mean, for the sake of time, you should I just tell them? <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. We have a bit do, of a tradition of this being qu- yeah. <laughs> Right, so what you need to do is you need to join a hockey team, in preferably in Canada. <laughs> and then, or in Brighton. Or in Brighton, if they have hockey in Brighton. And then what you need to do is perhaps maybe at some point while you're in the facilities of that said hockey team, you need to go to the computer, maybe ask the secretary if you can use her computer, and then you can email us and tell us what you think about, you know, the goon. You can tell us what you think about goon or gladiator or the damned United, and you can email us at pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com. Sam, if they want to get us in a less emaily way, how could they do that? Well, while you're on that computer, obviously, um, <laughs> look for jobs in a third tier of British football hey. in the 70s, <laughs> where I think they have Twitter. If they have Twitter in the 70s, uh, just find us on Twitter at pleasewatchpod. Yeah. Great. That, that is awesome. Uh, once again, thank you guys so much for, for coming on the show. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you, Dakota. Uh, you can follow this show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ContraZoomPod, and let us know what... Uh, you think of the damn United and Goon, if you've seen either of them, send us an email at contrazoompod at gmail.com. Thank you to Eric and Kevin Smale for the theme music and to Stephanie Pryor for the logo design. If you can rate and review the show where you ever listen to podcasts, it'll be a huge help for us to grow and find new listeners. Thank you for listening and bye. <laughs> bye. bye. <laughs> <laughs>